My friends, I know that we have had a long time perhaps to prepare for the death of Pope Benedict. Uh, Pope Francis even warned us a number of days ago uh, uh, that Pope Emeritus's days on earth and this life were coming to an end. But I don't know about you, but it's been uh, still difficult for me, even though uh, he's been retired almost 10 years. You know, there's much I can say, there's much I do want to say. Uh, such a uh, beautiful, important, I think, contrast really between him and John Paul II, this uh, extraordinary extrovert, this gregarious uh, Pope, uh, Saint John Paul II, uh, followed uh, by this uh, really introverted and uh, truly humble uh, man. Uh, I think he's very much misunderstood by so many. Many believing him to be uh, kind of harsh in a certain sense, a dogmatic inquisitor of sorts, even a certain uh, symbol of the uh, Doberman. Uh, has uh, come to mind, yet in reality he is really uh, the kindest of souls and a cat lover. And uh, I think a beautiful title for him would be Benedict the Humble. You know, he had a brilliant mind. He was incredible, a very wise theologian and a timely one because his clarity of thought, his wisdom, was such a strong counter voice to the postmodernism that affects our society these days. He was a incredible lover of beauty. He especially uh, loved the liturgy. There's much I uh, would like to say regarding uh, him granting the indult, allowing all priests to celebrate the pre-Vatican II Mass, the traditional Latin Mass, but I'll, I'll simply uh, say that his stated goal, Pope Benedict's stated goal in granting uh, priests the right to celebrate the traditional Latin Mass was to bring beauty, not to the old Mass, but to this Mass that we celebrate here tonight. And I'll always speak for myself. I, can, I think I can speak in some regards to our parish here. I do believe his efforts to bring beauty to the Novus Ordo, this post-Vatican II Mass, has had some success. I know it has affected me and how I try, uh, I know I, I have my own shortcomings, but I do try to bring reverence to the celebration of Holy Mass, and in large part I think that is because of this Pope. You know, I could say more, I could say a, a lot more. I think. Uh, he will re be remembered for uh, these things and certainly many more things, but in large part, for me, Pope Benedict will be remembered for one particular thing. He taught us what it means to be human. He taught us what it means to be human in a time when we are forgetting what it means to be human. As I've said many times from this pulpit, uh, when asked what the purpose of a homily was, he didn't lead as he very easily could have by speaking about some sort of Christology to teach us who Christ is, surely that is the case. He didn't speak about uh, reflecting upon Holy Scriptures, of course that is the case, and he certainly believed that. But he began by saying something very simple and important. 
purpose of the homily is to remind the people of God who they are. Because I do believe, in large part, many do not know who we are. And Pope Benedict was such a bright light in this regard, reminding all of us that we are beloved sons and daughters of the Heavenly Father. Pope Benedict said that human beings are beings and root. They are not yet themselves. They must ultimately become themselves. Human beings must die with Christ like a grain of wheat in order to truly rise, to stand erect, to be themselves. We must die to self and embrace the grace that Christ offers us to truly become ourselves. Human beings, he says, are not to be understood merely from the perspective of their past histories or from that isolated moment that we refer to as the present. They are oriented toward their future and only it permits who they really are to appear completely. Our future reality, my friends, in faith and through God's grace is the inheritance. It's eternal life and true and everlasting peace. Only that uh, sheds light on who we truly are, that we are God's greatest creations. The hope for future causes us then to live differently and to begin to see each other as family. We must always see in other human, being, human beings, he said, persons with whom we shall one day share God's joy. We must look upon them as persons who are called together with us to be members of the body of Christ, with whom we shall one day sit at the table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and with Christ himself as their brothers and sisters, as the brothers and sisters of Christ, and as children of God. You know, I don't know about you, my friends, but he sounds a lot like Pope Francis. I know that won't be popular with some here, but I do believe it is true. There is so much here. Pope Benedict was a brilliant man. He really knew who he was, and he really knew who we are. He knew that the road of discipleship is not always an easy one, but he knew that with the Lord, with Jesus, our yoke is easy in our burden light. He knew and he said that the world offers us comfort, but we were not made for comfort. We were made for greatness. Pope Benedict knew who he was. He knew and he said that being a Christian is not the result of an ethical choice or a lofty idea, but the encounter with an event, a person which gives life new horizon and a decisive direction. He does sound a lot like Pope Francis. Pope Benedict had a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. In fact, his last words were, Jesus, I love you. Of course, he said it in German, Ich liebe dich. 
And therefore, because he had this beautiful relationship with Jesus, he was a man of hope. In fact, he even wrote a very excellent encyclical on hope, Space Salve, in which he said the distinguishing mark of Christians is the fact that we have a future. It is not that we know the details of what awaits us, but we know in general terms, he says, that our life will not end in emptiness. The one who has hope lives differently. The one who has hope has been granted the gift of a new life. The Holy Father has been called home by the Heavenly Father. And so we pray. We pray that Pope Benedict is experiencing now the beatific vision, and that he's receiving that priestly blessing of the first reading from the Book of Numbers in a new and now truly profound way. That the Lord is blessing him and keeping him. That the Lord is letting his face shine upon him and he is gracious to him. That the Lord is looking upon him kindly and giving him peace. But my friends, none of this would be possible had the Blessed Virgin Mary not said yes. It would not be possible for the Holy Father, it would not be possible for any of us. If Mary had not cooperated with grace and become the mother of God, allowing God then to become flesh and to dwell among us, that is the solemnity, this is the solemnity we celebrate here tonight. It is clear why we have this celebration. But what do we celebrate here today? Mary, the mother of God. You know, St. Athanasius in, his, uh, in the Office of Reading so brilliantly uh, tells us, reminds us that Mary provided God with a body. She provided God with flesh, human flesh. His human nature was not somehow planted within her. It originated from within her. Friends, we will not have a proper Christology. We will not understand who Christ is unless we have a proper Mariology, unless we understand who Mary is. For Mary always brings us to Jesus. And Jesus brings us to the Father. He reveals the Father to us and thereby reveals ourselves to us. Pope Benedict knew this very well. He knew that today is about a power. It's the power of God. It's about intimacy. It's about vulnerability. It's about his vulnerability, but also ours. It speaks of God's power and that he gives us free will that he turned his salvific plan over to a teenage girl named Mary, she could have said no. To be clear, there is one mediator, there is one redeemer, the divine person of Jesus Christ. However, Mary is the mediatrix. She is the co-redemptrix. We do not worship her, of course, but we do rightly honor her as our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ asked us to do. Jesus is the head. We are the body of Christ. Mary, perhaps not an attractive image, but she is the neck. All the grace of her son flows to us through 
her. She always points us to him. And then grace overcomes our sin. Today speaks of God's power that he now awaits our response. He's turned part of his salvific plan also over to each of us. Thankfully, he also pours forth his abundant grace upon us. You know, it is appropriate that we honor Mary, the mother of God, because she is the means by which God saves us, becoming one of us through her cooperation with his grace in order to conquer sin and death, in order to save us, to redeem us, to adopt each of us as beloved sons and daughters so that we can be heirs to the kingdom, heirs to true and everlasting peace and joy, heirs, please God, to eternal life. You know, we have started a new year today. It is custom, of course, to make some New Year's resolutions. Let's make some. Let's put together a generous plan, a plan that is intimate, a plan that helps us to become saints. Perhaps this year we can increase our Marian devotions. If you're already praying a rosary, great. Let's try to pray it better each day, truly entering into the beautiful mysteries that we celebrate. For St. Louis de Montfort said, the easiest, the shortest, the most perfect means of approaching Jesus Christ is through Mary. We can all be doing some spiritual reading this day. We even have our own library. If you come here earlier in the uh, Sunday, perhaps just 10 minutes a day, we can read some spiritual class, or maybe we will start today that uh, Catechism in the Year podcast of Father Mike Schmidt. Many of you did the uh, Bible in the Year. Now he's doing Catechism in the Year. We can all share our faith in big ways, small ways. We can share our time and talents. We can all perhaps this year take on some form of mortification, deny ourselves uh, something throughout the week. Perhaps we can have even a social media fast, if not a complete fast, let's say Thursday fast. We can at least limit ourselves uh, in particular ways throughout the week. We can all be diligent, of course, about going to Mass here on Sunday, as you beautifully are today, uh, but perhaps uh, this is the year we will add a maybe Wednesday night or a Saturday morning Mass. We can all swing by here and spend a little bit of time before our Eucharistic Lord in adoration. There is much we can do. Grace is proportional to our preparation to receive it after all. It's proportional to our desire to receive Him. So let us all plan in this year to more intentionally seek the Lord and to receive his blessing and to share the grace. And may God be praised. Amen.